Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We usually stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. A day like today was an exception because we are invited to the annual Law Enforcement Appreciation Dinner that Attorney General Leslie Rutledge of Arkansas was putting on for law enforcement all over the state of Arkansas. Uh, and it's hard to get tickets, and somebody offered us a couple, so we went. Anyway, minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. Now, this is the 98th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, March 1st. 2022 coming up in just a minute judge forces Pfizer to release documents including eight pages of horrible potential side effects from their vaccine but first yes I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America cumulus media simply because I refused their vaccine mandate Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say it on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. More evidence today than before. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored. And unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says become a patron. But you know, I am running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. I actually filed officially, spent the $15,000 last Friday. So, if you'd like to support the idea of an actual conservative being governor of the state of Arkansas, the website where you can give online is electdocwashburn.com. We appreciate all the folks who have... Oh, that's not nearly loud enough. We appreciate all the folks who have um, contributed to us already. Now, the mainstream media is ignoring this new information from Pfizer. And not just liberal mainstream media. I don't see anything about it on Fox, Newsmax, OAN. I've gone to all their websites. Nothing. Nothing. Now, the little bit of the mainstream media that is covering it, I'll give you an idea, UK Daily Mail. Why is it so often that we have to get American news from uh, British news sources. But I'll give you an example of how they're covering it. And CNBC, I think, also had something like this. New York Times. Headline, Pfizer's COVID vaccine is just 12% effective in preventing Omicron infection in children aged 5 to 11, new study reveals. So why are health officials pushing parents to get their kids shots? Well, it's a very good question. And the four bullet point subtitles. Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine has showed 
limited effectiveness at preventing infection in children aged 5 to 11, New York State revealed Monday. After 28 to 34 days, the shot was only 12% effective at preventing COVID-19 infection. There was a major difference found between 11 and 12-year-olds, the cutoff for a lower vaccine dosage, implying the low dosages do not work, and many have speculated that the COVID-19 vaccines are not needed in children because of the little risk they face from the virus. So all very good points. All very good points about this new information that is out there, okay? Now, what's being left out, though? The nine pages of potential adverse effects. That's what's being left out. Now, let's look at the Epic Times and and what they have before I get to the main course, what I'm going to. The Epic Times has some pretty scary stuff here. It gets scarier than the UK Daily Mail. Headline, Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine goes into liver cells and is converted to DNA. What in the world? The messenger RNA, mRNA, from Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine is able to enter human liver cells and is converted into DNA, according to Swedish researchers at Lund University. The researchers found that when the mRNA vaccine enters the human liver cells, it triggers the cell's DNA, which is inside the nucleus, to increase the production of the line one gene expression to make mRNA. Okay, we're getting way, way far in the weeds, and I'm sorry. I'm not smart enough to read that. It's it's great information for people to get it. All right? All right. Now, let me go to childrenshealthdefense.org. This is Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s website. Dr. Joseph Mercola, widely respected, widely respected, and the community of frontline doctors. If you don't know who Dr. Mercola is, well, you might want to look him up. And again, this is breaking news today, March 1st, 2022. Headline, COVID vaccines, all risk, No benefit for kids and young adults, new data show. Subhead. According to a cost-benefit analysis by Stephanie Seneff, Ph.D., an independent researcher, Kathy Dopp, the COVID-19 vaccine is deadlier than COVID itself for anyone under the age of 80 and provides only risk, no benefit for kids and younger adults. Story at a glance, because we're not going to get all into it, because I still have a big one i got to get to. Story at a glance. Recent data analysis shows the COVID jab is deadlier 
than COVID-19 itself. For anyone under the age of 80, for younger adults and children, there's no benefit, only risk. All age groups under 50 years old are at a greater risk of dying after receiving a COVID jab than an unvaccinated person is at risk of dying from COVID-19. For those under 18, the COVID jab increases their risk of dying from COVID-19. They're also 51 times more likely to die from the jab than they are to die from COVID if not vaccinated. Only when you get into the 60 and older categories do the risks between the jab and COVID infection become about even. In the 60 to 69 age group, the shot will kill one person for every person it saves from dying of COVID. So it's a toss-up as to whether it might be worth it for any given person. Data suggests U.S. deaths reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System are probably underreported by a factor of 20. Oh, my. So the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, probably only lists about 5% of the deaths from the vaccine. Oh, my goodness. So let me get over to Michael Neverdakis, Ph.D., his article at Children's, Children's Health Defense. entitled Judge Unseals 400 Pages of Evidence Clears Way for Pfizer Whistleblower Lawsuit. Subhead, the decision by a district court judge to unseal a complaint filed more than a year ago against multiple parties involved in Pfizer's COVID vaccine trials allowed the lawsuit to go forward and revealed 400 pages of exhibits used to substantiate the lawsuit's claims. How about them apples? So, a whistleblower's lawsuit alleging fraud during Pfizer's COVID vaccine trials is is moving forward after a district court judge unsealed the complaints, including 400 pages of exhibits. In January 2021, Brooke Jackson sued Pfizer and two companies the drug maker contracted with to work on the trials, Ventavia Research Group and Icon PLC. Okay? So, Jackson worked for Ventavia for a brief period in 2020 before being fired after she filed a complaint with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, over alleged improprieties she observed during the vaccine trials. She also gave the British Medical Journal a cache of internal company documents, photos, and recordings highlighting alleged wrongdoing by Ventavia. Jackson filed the complaint in the U.S. District Court, Eastern District of Texas, Beaumont Division, under the False Claims Act. The lawsuit includes several charges of fraud and retaliation on the part of both Ventavia and Pfizer. The complaint remained under seal until February 10th when U.S. District Court Judge Michael Truncale ordered it unsealed. According to Jackson's lawsuit, Pfizer, Ventavia, and Icon, quote, deliberately withheld critical information, 
or deliberately withheld crucial information from the United States that calls the safety and efficacy of their vaccine into question, unquote. The lawsuit claims, quoting again, defendants conceal violations of both their clinical trial protocol and federal regulations, including falsification of clinical trial documents due to the defendant's scheme. Millions of Americans have received a misbranded vaccination, which is potentially not as effective as represented, unquote. The core allegations of Jackson's lawsuit include claims against Ventavia and Pfizer of making or using false records or statements to cause claims to be paid, presentation of false and or fraudulent claims, making or using false records or statements material to false and or fraudulent claims, and retaliation. For instance, Brooke Jackson alleges, quoting again, from 2020 to the present, defendants Ventavia and Pfizer knowingly made, used, or caused to be made or used false records or statements that were material to false and or fraudulent claims paid or approved by the United States Department of Defense. These false records or statements include the clinical trial protocol Pfizer submitted to the United States and the falsified source documents and data behind the defendant's trial results and EUA application. By creating and carrying out their fraudulent schemes, defendants knowingly and repeatedly violated the False Claims Act. Defendants' false records were material to Pfizer's claims for payment for the vaccine at issue. The USDOD would not have paid Pfizer if it knew that the clinical trial protocol was not complied with by defendants because the protocol violations call the integrity and validity of both the entire clinical trial and Pfizer's emergency use authorization into question. Defendants' false records also went to the very essence of the bargain the United States contracted for. DOD contracted to purchase vaccines found effective by a valid clinical trial conducted according to the protocol submitted by Pfizer. The integrity of the entire clinical trial was compromised by trial protocol violations, false source documents, and the false data that resulted, which calls the vaccine's emergency use authorization in question. Had the USDOD known of defendants' false records, it would not have paid Pfizer. Defendants' use or causation of use of material false records was a foreseeable factor in the USDOD's loss and a consequence of defendants' schemes. By virtue of defendants' actions, the USDOD has suffered actual damages and is entitled to recover treble damages, that means triple, plus a civil monetary penalty for each false and or fraudulent claim, unquote. Now, Brooke Jackson is requesting damages, including back pay, in addition to reinstatement of her position with Ventavia. Ventavia, which describes itself as the largest privately owned clinical research company in Texas operated several sites where clinical trials were taking place on behalf of Pfizer. Jackson, a regional director for Ventavia, was hired by the company when Pfizer contracted with it to conduct its Phase three vaccine trial. Jackson, who possessed over 15 years' worth of experience working with clinical trials, 
repeatedly informed her superiors of poor laboratory management, patient safety concerns, and data integrity issues during the approximately two weeks she was employed by Mentavia. On September 25th, 2020, Jackson emailed the FDA listing a dozen concerns she said she had witnessed. These included, number one, lack of timely follow-up for patients who experienced adverse events from the trial. Number two, protocol deviations that went unreported. Number three, retaliation against and targeting of Ventavia employees who reported such problems. Number four, trial participants being placed in a hallway after injection and not being monitored by clinical staff. Number five, vaccines not being stored at proper temperatures. And number six, wrongly labeled laboratory specimens. Brooke Jackson provided documents indicating falsified data, blind trial failures, and awareness on the part of at least one Ventavia executive that members of the company staff were falsifying data. Jackson's documents also provided evidence of administrators who had no training or medical certifications or who provided very little oversight during the trials. Several internal company in emails will be copied to a Pfizer official who would respond to some of the correspondence. The documentation provided by Jackson also demonstrated that she had discussed with Ventavia ex- executives the possibility of the FDA conducting, conducting an unannounced inspection. The executives were described as dreading such a possibility. Now, according to Jackson, she received an acknowledgement email from the FDA and a follow-up phone call from an FDA inspector, but no further communication. Ventavia fired her within hours of her contact in the FDA. As reported by investigative journalist Matt Ty, Matt Ty, I don't know how to say his last name, T-A-I-B-B-I, Matt Taby, a recording a Ventavia executive revealed the individual in question referred to the problems with the vaccine trial as clean up on aisle five. And that the same executive pressed Brooke Jackson as to whether she had revealed information to outsiders. This led Jackson to contact the British Medical Journal, which in November 2021 published an article based on the evidence she had provided highlighting Ventavia's repeated failures. Journalist Paul Thacker, who had previously investigated financial ties between Big Farmer and physicians for the U.S. Senate Finance Committee, wrote the article for the British Medical Journal. Now, November 2020, Ventavia appeared to have confirmed to its knowledge of problems that occurred with a vaccine trial and claimed that it would conduct an investigation. Nevertheless, Pfizer continued its relationship with Ventavia, hiring it as a research subcontractor for at least four other trials, including trialing the COVID vaccine for children, young adults, pregnant women, and the safety of a booster dose. The FDA, despite knowledge of the allegations against Pfizer and Ventavia, went ahead and granted emergency use authorization 
for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, including for children 5 to 11 years old. The FDA in August 2021 stated it and that it inspected only nine of the trial's 153 sites. None of Intavia's sites were included. By the way, a 2007 report by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Inspector General, found the FDA inspected only 1% of clinical trial sites. Ventavia went on the offensive against Brooke Jackson. They claimed that, quote, Ms. Jackson worked for us for only 18 days and as a result did not complete the requisite training for the role for which she was hired. We're confident in our practices and procedures in conducting clinical trials. And should her case move forward, we will respond to the litigation accordingly, unquote. Later, in a February 11th statement, Ventavia modified his claims about Jackson, writing, quote, Although Jackson was hired to oversee certain sites and aspects of clinical trials, she was only employed by with Ventavia for 18 days and, as a result, did not have the longevity with the company to complete the training for the role for which she was hired, unquote. However, According to Thacker, several documents show Jackson worked on Pfizer's clinical trial. These documents include a clinical trial delegation log, which lists Jackson as a participant. Also, according to Thacker, dozens of media organizations also failed to issue retractions of their reports, which alleged Jackson had no direct involvement with the vaccine trials. Jackson threatened to file a separate defamation lawsuit against Ventavia over its characterization of her employment. British Medical Journal, in turn, was targeted for publishing the report. Facebook throttled the report. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Facebook throttled somebody's report? You're kidding me. Were there fake fact checkers? Facebook also issued warnings to its users not to share the report following a report by one of the company's contracted fact checkers. There you go. Lead stories. The name of one of their contracted fact checkers claiming the report would not disqualify the overall trial of Pfizer vaccine. Lead stories went so far as to describe the British Medical Journal as a blog. The British Medical Journal, I think they go back further than blogs, said it's considering all available options in terms of a potential legal claim against Facebook, which recently admitted in a court of law that its so-called fact checks are actually just pure opinion. Now, the documents, the documents pertaining to Jackson's lawsuit were released after U.S. Department of Justice attorneys declined to intervene on her behalf in the case. The DOJ filed a notice of election to decline intervention, asking the court to get written consent in the event the parties to the lawsuit wish to dismiss or settle the case. The government also reserved the right to intervene at a later date. Neither the DOJ lawyers nor the FDA offered an explanation for why the DOJ chose not to intervene. Brooke Jackson said she was not surprised the federal government opted not to intervene, but expressed her total disappointment, adding, quote, we're going to pursue the case without the help of the government, unquote. While Jackson has stated her belief that the likelihood of her case succeeding is low, she also said, it's just a chance I have to take. I just feel like somebody has to be held accountable. Well, you know, I think that's a really good idea. Somebody has to be held accountable. 
doing the right thing. Doing the right thing here. You know, kind of reminds me of when I gave up my livelihood because I wasn't going to let somebody jab this stuff in my veins. And with each day that passes, I get more and more and more verification that I did the right thing. Anyway, Ventavia also remarked upon the government's refusal to intervene. Lauren Foreman, Ventavia's Director of Business Development and Communications, wrote in an email to justthenews.com, John Solomon's, Solomon's out, outlet, said, we're gratified the government has declined the case. Now, Ms. Jackson apparently lost her original Texas-based lawyers October 2021 but was able to attain new legal representation in December of 2021, headed by Los Angeles-based attorney Robert Barnes. Oh, boy, you got Robert Barnes. You're going to get somewhere now, baby. Yeah, now you start to get somewhere is what I'm talking about. The federal government's refusal to intervene comes in contrast to the FDA welcoming Pfizer's offer to intervene in a Freedom of Information lawsuit filed against the agency. A federal judge ruled Pfizer must disclose redacted versions of nearly 400,000 pages of documents pertaining to its issuance of an emergency use authorization for the Pfizer vaccine. The FDA claimed it could not release the documents at a fast enough rate to meet the demands of the court or the plaintiffs in the case. Pfizer then asked the court to intervene ostensibly to help the FDA with the process of releasing the documents. A federal court, a federal court rejected Pfizer's bid to intervene. Brooke Jackson's primary lawsuit against Pfizer, Ventavia, and Icon pertains to the False Claims Act, a piece of legislation dating back to the Civil War, which, reward, which rewards whistleblowers who file anti-fraud lawsuits against contractors on behalf of the government. Now, the law originally enacted in response to defense contractor fraud during the Civil War has to date returned $67 billion to the U.S. government. While the False Claims Act has been in place since the Civil War, it was significantly eroded by a 2016 Supreme Court decision, Universal Health Services versus the United States, which found a lawsuit filed under the False Claims Act could be dismissed if the contractor in question continued to be paid by the government. This resulted in a series of federal court decisions in which fraud cases were dismissed, while the DOJ, via its 2018 Granston memo, instructed government, government attorneys to reject more False Claims Act lawsuits. In the two years that followed, dismissal of False Claims Act cases indeed increased. The decision significantly expanded the scope of a legal principle known as materiality. As interpreted by the court, if the government continued paying a contractor Despite the contractor's fraudulent activity, then the fraud was not considered material to the contract. The issue of materiality is a core component of Brooke Jackson's lawsuit against Ventavia, Pfizer, and Icon. Proposed legislation, the False Claims Amendments Act of 2021, which was introduced in Congress in July 2021, would again bolster law, strengthening the original law's anti-retaliation provisions by installing new safeguards against industry-level blacklisting of whistleblowers seeking employment. The proposed act also 
would adjust the materiality standard to include instances where government payments have continued despite knowledge of fraud. That 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 right there could affect Pfizer, which has contracts with the U.S. government to provide COVID vaccines. The bill passed through committee by a 15 to 7 vote and was added to the Senate's legislative calendar November 16, 2021. However, no action has been taken since. Perhaps not coincidentally, Pfizer hired a well-connected lobbyist named Hazen Marshall and the law firm Williams & Jensen to lobby against the False Claims Amendments Act of 2021. Notably, under the terms of a 2009 settlement, Pfizer paid $2.3 billion with a B, dollars in fines, the largest health care fraud settlement in the history of the U.S. Department of Justice in a False Claims Act case stemming from allegations of illegal marketing of off-label products not approved by the FDA. Pharmaceutical companies such as AstraZeneca and Merck have also been forced to pay multi-million dollar settlements resulting from False Claims Act cases. All right, that's Dr. Michael Nevridakis, independent journalist and researcher based in Athens, Greece. Article over Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s website, childrenshealthdefense.org, article, article entitled, Judge Unseals 400 Pages of Evidence, Clears Way for Pfizer Whistleblower Lawsuit. But what I want to get to is all these apparent side effects the fires are talking about up in here, you know? Potential side effects. A lot of them sound pretty deadly. I'm going to lie, fam. A lot of them sound pretty deadly up in here. Um, to me, this is even more important than everything else. Everything else I've been sharing with y'all. Oh, wait, what's this? Screenshot from the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. Five-year-old got the Pfizer jab. Experiencing abdominal pain, crying, and urinary retention same day as the jab. That's a crime against humanity, in my humble opinion. You're entitled to it. These folk need to be sued, man. They need to be sued into oblivion. And and look, if this false testing can be proved, if them giving the government fake information can be proved, folk need to go to prison for the rest of their lives, what I'm talking about. It's outrageous to me. It's outrageous. It's inexcusable. And they need to find a way now to get around that shield, that legal shield they got 
against um, lawsuits. There's got to be a way around it, man. Because if the fraud is proved, I'm thinking that probably takes it away, right? Am I right? Anyway, I'm going to tell you some of these uh, potential side effects in Pfizer's own documentation that the FDA wanted to make you wait until 2097 to see. 75 years. What's 2022 plus 75? Oh, that'd be 2097. Okay. That's how long they want to make you wait for that. All right. So, in the meantime, first of all, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to our advertisers for making it possible for us to cover news that I guess nobody else is going to cover. I guess nobody else is going to cover. I mean, don't get me wrong. UK Daily Mail, UK Daily Mail has some pretty important stuff on the Pfizer vaccine, right? Uh, don't get me wrong. Now, the Epic Times has some pretty important stuff on the Pfizer vaccine. Not even gonna lie, fam. Don't get me wrong. Bobby Kennedy's website, Bobby Kennedy Jr. Children's Health has a pretty important stuff about it. Stuff I just share with you, but. But nobody is talking about this page 30 of this 38-page PDF list of adverse events of special interest. I don't understand why that is. I don't I don't get that. Why uh Why would that be? Anyway, so let me say thank you to uh, my advertisers. Red River Your Way, thanks for a great car deal recently. With well, a 2013 Honda Accord, with only 85,000 miles on it. I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all, and I appreciate y'all. Look, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. I know folk who have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are in the continental U.S. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. You click that button, and it guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. 
Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. You want to buy a car? You want to buy a truck? You want to buy a van? You want to buy an SUV? Order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. of A. RedRiverYourWay.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, now, talk about malfeasance from the government. Let's see a show of hands. Who remembers uh, Nancy Pelosi in 2009 talking about Obamacare? Well, uh, you'll just have to pass it so you can see what's in it. Really? Really? Well, now... Let me uh, let me ask something about that. Let me ask you something about that. Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? All right. Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? All right. Does your sky-high deductible keep prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Okay? MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You go to that website, and the first thing you see is the big, bold words, Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on your premiums. Okay? The next thing you see, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Whoo, boy, that sounds like a good deal. Okay? You hit the red button, schedule call now. That allows you to book a free consultation with my buddy, Art Wilborn, We'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage and also make sure that your personalized health coverage doesn't make you cover awful things like abortion that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. Unlike some of those Obamacare plans out there. You know what I'm saying? So, once again, myfamilyhealthplan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, Personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Hit the red button, schedule call now. You get a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn. We'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. So we got this PDF, all right? This Pfizer stuff that is shared with us. from a website called phmpt.org. Stands for Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency. And a lot of really, really impressive names in this group. So, we got a situation here. Dr. Peter McCullough, 
is in the group, for what it's worth. We got a situation. We got this 38-page deal from uh, Pfizer that apparently the FDA made them release. Cumulative analysis of post-authorization adverse event reports of this long, complicated name for the vaccine received through February 28th, 2021. Report prepared by Worldwide Safety Pfizer. And it says the information contained in this document is proprietary and confidential. Any disclosure, reproduction, distribution, or other dissemination of this information outside of Pfizer, its affiliates, its licensees, or regulatory agencies is strictly prohibited, except as may be otherwise agreed to in writing by accepting or reviewing these materials, you agree to hold such information in confidence and not to disclose it to others except where required by applicable law nor to use it for unauthorized purposes. I'm sorry, I, I, can't, I can't agree with that. No, I, uh, I really can't agree with that because... There's so many side effects in here, you know. There's so many side effects in here. They got this Appendix 1 list of adverse events of special interest. And that's page 30, and it goes all the way through page 38. Okay? Now, the last adverse event because they're in alphabetical order. The last adverse event, Zika virus-associated Guillain-Barre syndrome. Oh, that sounds awful. You know? That sounds awful, but there's a lot of stuff in here. Ovarian vein thrombosis. I mean, pediatric, autoimmune, neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infection. Now, that's, that's the kind of uh, side effect you, you might not want to take the, the risk on, you know. No, I'm just saying, that's the kind of side effect you might not want to take a risk on. And there are nine Pages of this stuff. I jive you not. Um, let me see. Your human herpes virus six encephalitis. What? What? See, I, nobody's supposed to be sharing this stuff. This stuff's confidential. No, it's not supposed to get out. So I'm wondering, I don't know if this is part of what the judge ordered them to release or not. I have no idea. Hemorrhagic pneumonia. Does that mean you got pneumonia and you're hemorrhaging? Hemorrhagic varicella syndrome. I'm, I'm just scrolling through. Just scrolling through. Yeah, oh boy. 
genital herpes, genital herpes simplex, genital herpes zoster, giant cell arteritis. Some of these words are so long, you know, fibromyalgia, foaming at mouth. Now, is that worth getting the jab, foaming at mouth? I'm going to take a stab at a, a long one. Fibrillary glomerulonephritis. No idea. Eyelid edema. Face edema. Facial paralysis. Eye seizure. Eye pruritus. Eye edema. Exposure to SARS-CoV-2. Well, uh, wait a minute. I thought the vaccine was supposed to protect you from SARS-CoV-2. You know what I'm saying? How about epilepsy with myoclonic atonic seizures? How about that? How about epileptic aura? How about epileptic psychosis? So that means you get epilepsy and psychosis? Really? How about encephalitis? How about encephalitis allergic? How about encephalitis autoimmune? How about encephalitis brainstem? How about encephalitis hemorrhagic? How about encephalitis periaxialis diffusa? No. Encephalitis post-immunization. Encephalomyelitis. Really? Drug withdrawal convulsions. What? Early infantile epileptic encephalopathy with burst suppression. Eclampsia. Eczema herpeticum. Nine pages of this stuff. Nine pages of this stuff. Colitis. Chillblains, choking, choking sensation. What in the world, man? What in the world? What in the world? Carotid artery thrombosis. Cavernous sinus thrombosis. All this stuff, man. Autoimmune endocrine disorder. Nine pages of it. Nine pages of it. Acute respiratory distress syndrome. Acute respiratory failure. Oh, failure. That means you stop breathing, right? Addison's disease. What? Nine pages of this stuff. Liver iron concentration abnormal. Because of the vac, see, because of the jab. This is what they wanted me to take. And I said, no. How about lupus encephalitis? Lupus endocarditis. Lupus enteritis. All kind of lupus. They got all kind of lupus in here. Lyphocytopenia neonatal. Oh. So it can affect the babies if the mama takes it. Mitochondrial aspartate aminotransferase increased. Oh, really? 
Oh, there, there shouldn't be a problem with that, right? Everything's fine. Myocarditis, been hearing a lot about that, right? Myocarditis. It's messed up, y'all. They didn't want this to come out till 2097. We need like 75 years. It's out now. But a tree falls in the woods. Nobody's out there. It doesn't make a noise. I'm talking about it. But uh, how about like anybody else? I keep checking. I keep checking. Wow. So, what do y'all think? I mean, I think it would be some lawsuits. There, there, there have to be. There have to be some lawsuits on this. There's got to be a way to get around it, you know, to get around this uh, supposed legal shield. I'm saying just for what it's worth. Now, there's some other stuff I got to talk about. Some other stuff I got to talk about. And I'll get to it in just a minute. We got some senators in the U.S. Senate that apparently want to start World War III. They really want to start World War III. They really want to start World War III with a nuclear power, Russia. And I'm, I'm, I'm fit to name some names here, all right? But first of all, let me say thank you once again to our advertisers, including my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, Benton, Arkansas. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations, and he sure helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019. I was in another one, December of 2021. He's helping me with that, too. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So, whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin meant to make sure the mental law firm always works hard for you. So whether you're hurt in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you're a loved one suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right. Now I want to help you out with something. Best kept secret in American healthcare. The best kept secret in American healthcare. I think if I probably, probably if I hadn't gotten under this care 15 years ago, I'd probably be in a wheelchair by now. Instead, I'm doing good. Thanks be to God. 
Praise God from whom all blessings flow, including finding out about this. All right, now, let's go through a little checklist here. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. Oh, the other question I forgot. When you look at a picture of yourself, are you leaning to one one side or the other instead of just sitting up straight or standing up straight? Yeah, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and my neck pain. I mean, let me explain to you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs two ounces, so it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does, the rest of your spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way God designed it to work. It can affect your circulatory system, your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, even problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, but you're saying, hey, sounds like something I need to check into. All right. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab. It says, find a doctor near you, and I hope there is one near you. All right. That having been said, some stuff we got to talk about here. Some crazy stuff. From the epictimes.com, U.S. Senator urges imposition of no-fly zone over Ukraine. What? U.S. Senator Roger Wicker, Republican of Mississippi, has joined some colleagues who want usurper Joe Biden. I'll never call him president. He stole it. They want usurper Joe Biden and other world leaders to impose a no-fly zone over Ukraine despite warnings that such a move will mean the United States would be engaging directly with Russia. Rhino U.S. Senator Roger Wicker from Mississippi. How does such a conservative state keep on electing rhinos to U.S. Senate? A member of the Senate Armed Services Committee told the Huffington Post, clearly in the absence of a U.N. resolution, which Russia would veto, a strong coalition of like-minded nations should step in and seriously consider this. Wicker's office declined to comment, and a spokesperson didn't return an inquiry. So, I mean, here's the deal about that. Hans Monkey, who writes for the EpicTimes.com, asked the question, why do they all want to start World War III? And also, why is he talking to Huffington Post? 
So that's the deal. And, you know, somebody else pointed out the other day, in the last 30 or 40 years, there have been a whole lot of wars. There have been millions of people killed. And they didn't care about any of that. But this is the one they want you to care about. Now, why is that? Y'all ever think about that? See, we are supposed to trust the word of the same intel community that lied to us for years about Trump, Russia. All right? You feel me on this? That they're pure as the driven snow on Ukraine and Russia. All right? You got me? I'm sorry, Holmes. I can't. I can't get there from here. I can't get there from here. I can't trust them. I can't trust them. Which which brings us to this. Yeah, it's about time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership in the middle of USA. Believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice. Online, the way you want to, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. The lower 48, as it were. Okay. Okay. And it's a tie. It's a tie. The great J. Michael Waller, Senior Analyst for Strategy Center for Security Policy, says one of the pernicious collateral effects of disinformation is that in times of emergency, when sources report the truth but have a track record of deliberately spreading disinformation, people are unwilling to believe the truth. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Even if everything they're saying about Ukraine and Russia is true, how would I know to believe it? It's their fault, not mine. I was two or three years old. My daddy got right up in my face. I was a little fella, and he was a big guy compared to me, and told me the story of the little boy who cried wolf and scared me to death. Because I must have lied about something. I don't know what it was. I don't remember that part. I just remember him right up in my face telling me about that wolf eating that little boy and me going, ha, ha, whoa, whoa, Scaring me to death. I probably started crying. I don't know. He did it for my own good, though. There are too many folk. I'm not going to name names, John Brennan, Susan Rice, Alexander Vindman, who never learned that lesson about the little boy cry wolf. No? I could give you the name of an FBI agent who never learned that lesson. But anyway, I'm not going to. So tie for Tweet of the Day with a Columbia Bugle which says, seems like every show on Fox News today has featured Ukrainian civilians begging America to start World War III by enforcing a no-fly zone against Russia. Yeah, I don't know, man. 
I guess nukes wouldn't be all that bad because FEMA said all you got to do is socially distance and wear a mask if we get nuked. So you got that. You got that. Um, I would recommend an article to you from American Greatness. By the way, thank you very much to uh, Red River Your Way again for sponsoring the Tweet of the Day. I would recommend an article to you from American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Julie Kelly, who's responsible for the death of Matthew Perna. This uh, dropped last night. I got to share it with you. Whenever Julie Kelly drops a new article, I know it's important. It's called Who's Responsible for the Death of Matthew Perna? And she says, Matthew Perna's heartbroken family will say goodbye to him this week. After more than a year of enduring nonstop torment by the U.S. Justice Department, the D.C. District Court, and the news media over his minor involvement in January 6th, 37-year-old Matthew Perna hanged himself in his garage on Friday night. His funeral is scheduled for Wednesday. In a loving yet raw obituary, his family mints no words about who they hold responsible for his suicide. They said, Matthew Lawrence Perna died on February 25th, 2022, of a broken heart. His community, which he loved, his country, and the justice system killed his spirit and his zest for life. He attended the rally on January 6, 2021, to peacefully stand up for his beliefs. He entered the Capitol through a previously opened door. He did not break in, as was reported. He was ushered in by police. He didn't break, touch, or steal Anything. He did not harm anyone as he stayed within the velvet ropes taking pictures. For this act, he has been persecuted by many members of his community, friends, relatives, and people who had never met him. Many people were quietly supportive, and Matt was truly grateful for them. The constant delays in hearings and postponements dragged out for over a year. Because of this, Matt's heart broke and his spirit died, and many people are responsible for the pain he endured. Oh, my. Julie Kelly says, as I explained in my column Sunday, Matthew Perna did nothing wrong on January 6th. He entered an open door manned by two Capitol police officers who did not attempt to stop him or hundreds of other innocent Americans from going inside the building. Matthew did not carry a weapon, assault a police officer, or damage any property. His family said he stayed within the rope lines and took photos that afternoon. Forty minutes before Matthew went inside the Capitol, Congress halted the joint session to certify the Electoral College. Several Republican lawmakers planned to demand an audit of contested states. His presence did not disrupt any congressional business. In fact, lawmakers had evacuated the building. Armed only with a cell phone, Matthew posed no threat to anyone. After the FBI begged Americans to turn in anyone they knew to be in attendance at the Capitol that day, two alleged acquaintances who followed Perna on Facebook 
notified the FBI that he was one of the individuals on the FBI's wanted list. Perna, too, discovered he was on the list and turned himself in to his local FBI office. A week later, six FBI agents arrested Perna at his home. He was charged with a felony count of obstruction of an official proceeding and three trespassing misdemeanors. Matthew Perna, by all accounts, a gentle soul, a devoted son, and a friend, a man who loved his country, had never been in any legal trouble in his life, and he presumably believed that he, like any American, would be treated fairly by the justice system. That was not what happened, of course. What Matthew and his family, as well as thousands of his countrymen, quickly learned is that they would be used as human pawns in the Biden regime's vicious and vengeful war on terror against Trump supporters. Patriotic Americans have been called domestic terrorists, insurrectionists, traitors, seditionists, white supremacists, racists, and anti-Semites by everyone from Joe Biden down to local news reporters. FBI Director Christopher Wray designated the four-hour disturbance that resulted in the deaths of four Trump supporters, an act of domestic terror, greenlighting the use of all government tools against anyone involved. Attorney General Merrick Garland compared January 6th to the Oklahoma City bombing. Vice President Kamala Harris compared January 6th to 9-11 at Pearl Harbor, which means that people like Matthew, by their lights, amount to America's version of al-Qaeda. The only difference being that American civil rights attorneys, politicians, and journalists made sure the terrorists held at Guantanamo Bay were afforded decent legal representation and fair treatment under the law. Not so for the January 6th so-called insurrections. So, so who is responsible for the death of Matthew Perna? After speaking with his attorney, J. Gerald Ingram, it appears the chief villain is Matthew Graves, U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. Graves, according to Attorney Ingram, planned to seek a lengthy prison sentence for Matthew Perna after he pleaded guilty to all four charges. Ingram told reporter Julie Kelly by phone on Monday, quote, What drove him over the edge was the government announced it would seek an eight-level enhancement to a sentence for threatening to cause physical injury to a person in order to obstruct the administration of justice, unquote. That was the same sentencing enhancement the Justice Department sought for Jacob Chansley. Perna, of course, did nothing of the sort, but if Graves had gotten his way, Perna would have faced anywhere from 57 to 71 months in prison, an outrageous sentence for an individual who committed no violent crime and has no criminal record. Graves sought 51 months for Chansley, who got 41. Attorney Ingram called the Justice Department's handling of January 6th cases horribly inconsistent and said it seemed that Matthew Perna had been singled out for some reason. Perhaps it was because he wore a Make America Great Again sweatshirt on January 6th, but Graves would never ask for such an absurd sentence if he didn't believe the judge would at least consider it. Every judge on the D.C. District Court has allowed the Justice Department to file outlandish charges such as the obstruction of an official proceeding felony and also deceive the court and a grand jury for months concerning the whereabouts of Kamala Harris, which has been the basis for thousands of criminal charges. Furthermore, nearly every judge 
from Trump appointee Trevor McFadden to Reagan appointee Royce Lamberth, has authorized pretrial detention for nonviolent offenders. Discovery delays go unsanctioned, and trial dates keep getting pushed deep into 2022, all with the consent of the D.C. District Court. At the same time, these judges continue to deny change of venue motions, insisting Trump supporters can get a fair trial in a city that voted almost 94% for Joe Biden in 2020. That prompts many January 6th defendants like Matthew Perna to accept a plea offer rather than take a gamble before a jury composed only of Washington, D.C. residents. A rigged judicial system in the nation's capital is only partially responsible for what happened to Matthew Perna. The news media is fixated on January 6th to a degree that rivals its collective coverage of non-existence Trump-Russia election collusion. Journalists and cable news hosts add fuel to the fire on an hourly basis, vilifying Trump supporters in the most incendiary terms possible. Perna's hometown newspaper was particularly cruel. Millions of Americans are to blame, too. As his family mentioned in the obituary, Perna was abandoned by friends and his community. He, like so many others, lost his job and the love of his life, his father said. Julie Kelly says, I've heard similar stories from countless January 6th defendants. The public's open contempt, they've told me, is as painful as a legal nightmare. I asked Graves' office for a comment on Perna's suicide. Spokesman Bill Miller said in an email to American Greatness on Monday morning, quote, we typically do not comment on cases or investigations beyond what has been filed or stated in court and have no comment, unquote. And for the first time in over a year, Joe Biden's Justice Department had nothing to say about a January 6th defendant. If I sound angry, it's because I am. And what they don't know, what they absolutely, positively do not know, is that just like the rest of us, Merrick Garland, Matthew Graves, all these people, Lisa Monaco, the woman who's probably running the DOJ, because Merrick Garland's pretty far gone, we're all going to stand before God and give an account of what we've done in this life, what we've done on this earth. They act like they don't believe that. I know, I know, I know. There have been times when we act like it too. I get it. But when you know, when you come to know Christ, at least he gives you the desire to want to start to find out about him and act like him and not be so horribly evil toward folk. I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that now. There's a fellow named Scott Hounsell, and he's over at Red State. And before I get out of here, I I, I got to share this with you. He's got an article out about a fellow I interviewed a long time ago. 
when I did a morning radio talk show in Panama City, Florida, I interviewed a fellow named Andrew Breitbart. He had a book out. Interviewed him on the, on the radio. Never met the gentleman. And I kept on meaning to send him some stuff, and then he, and then he passed. All of a sudden, he passed. And even though I never met him face-to-face, hurt my heart because I felt like uh, I lost a friend. This is a guy I talked to a few times on the phone off the air. You know what I'm saying? It was 10 years ago today, and so we got these columns out um, honoring his memory. And Scott Hounsell over at Red State has this article called We're All Andrew. He says, Early in my career in politics, I had the opportunity to run into Andrew Breitbart at a few different events. Andrew was always courteous and kind in my interactions with him. As brief and fleeting as they were, I was amazed at his ability to take the fight to the left in a way I had not seen since the early days of Rush Limbaugh. Andrew was more dynamic than Rush, ready to jump into the fray in any way he was needed. Unafraid, Andrew consistently put his own credibility on the line to end the duplicitous standards of the left, proudly and defiantly stating his battle cry of war. As we remember Andrew today, 10 years after his passing, I look to my now colleagues and their tributes to the man, feeling as if I have nothing more to add to the discussion. I mean, how do you post an opinion piece up against the touching tributes to those like Larry O'Connor or Kurt Schlichter over at Town Hall, people who were lucky enough to count Andrew as a friend, even those who had much closer friendships with Andrew than I, like my good buddy and VIP gold show host Thomas LaDuke, have perspectives that honor the man in a way I could never dream of doing. He says, in the wake of Andrew's death, so many opined about who was and wasn't the heir apparent of Breitbart and the future of the movement he began. For years, people looked for one to rise in his place, taking Andrew's mantle and assuming command of this vast conservative army. Certainly as I began to dip my toe into the hot tub that is conservative media, I looked for that one leader to hitch my wagon to, who might lead me to the promised land of relevancy. Yet it wasn't until last year's CPAC that I began to understand the complexity of Andrew's legacy. There was one evening as we sat around the patio table in the warm Florida weather, something we would have never been able to do at National Harbor, that I began to realize the scope of Andrew's legacy. To my left sat Larry O'Connor, who has been nothing short of gracious in his willingness to share his talent and resources to help those of us who fight Andrew's fight every day. To my right sat Kurt Schlichter, who sets a near-perfect example of Andrew's total disregard of liberal judgment when confronted with their garbage and false dichotomous definitions of our message. Across from me sat my Red State colleagues, Jennifer Van Lahr and Kyra Davis, both of whom have been students, long been students of Andrew's influence. In every face around the table, I saw Andrew. And his legacy being carried forward, 
No one person was heir to Andrew Breitbart, and this legacy continues to be one of which you and I can be a part. I may not have been Andrew's right-hand man like some of the above-mentioned individuals. I certainly have learned a great deal about how I engage with my readers and listeners from them. Just again, this past week in a CPAC, I again marveled at the wealth of talent I'm lucky to call not only mentors and colleagues and friends, almost exclusively because of the legacy of Andrew Breitbart. Andrew didn't bequeath all he had to only one of his loyal followers and friends, but to us all. No one person in this lumbering beast that is a conservative movement can claim his legacy, nor am I suggesting that it falls to only those who work for Town Hall. His legacy is seen at Project Veritas and the Daily Wire. It's seen on Fox News and heard on numerous podcasts throughout the country. No one person Sorry, this is tough. No one person is Andrew because we're all Andrew. And how lucky lucky we are to be able to say that. Thank you, Andrew, for being a leader and friend to us all. Our only hope is that we're doing you proud. That was kind of tough to get through. So let's cheer up, everybody. And thank you all for your patience. You've been listening to the 98th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the Tenth, And that's the way it is. Tuesday, March 1st, 2022.